Welcome to Prism Bible, where we learn the Bible so we can live the story. God has a part for each of us to play, and to understand our purpose, we need to grasp the big, beautiful story that's unfolding in history. Join us today as we meet the family of Abraham before we meet the promised son. And before long, God gives Abraham the ultimate test. You're listening to Prism Bible. God has made great promises to Abraham, promises of land, seed, and blessing to the world. God has made promises, but so far those promises haven't come to pass. Abraham doesn't possess the land of Canaan, he doesn't have any seed, and the blessing to the world is nowhere to be seen. Abraham is concerned and childless, and it's in this context that he attempts to take matters into his own hands. Abraham apparently forgets that God said, I will accomplish the promises. We're going to pick up the story when Abraham is about 86 years old. He's concerned because he's so old without children, and we come to find out that his wife is old too. Her name is Sarai, and outside of being old, she's also barren. Apparently, she and Abraham have tried to have children but they were unable to conceive. Abraham at 86 and Sarai at 76 have little hope for a child. That means out of literal divine intervention, there was no way that the Abrahamic covenant could come to fruition. Abraham couldn't be a great nation and the father of a multitude if he and his wife couldn't have children. These thoughts were swimming around in the minds of the couple, and soon Abraham's wife has an idea. Now Abram's wife Sarai had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, Look now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go to my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after he had lived in Canaan for ten years, his wife Sarai took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to Abram to be his wife. And he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. But when Hagar realized that she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Now, do you remember someone else's wife who had an idea that her husband followed? An idea like eating fruit from a forbidden tree? Well, as you can imagine, this was not something that Abram should have done. And it leads to conflict. Immediately upon finding that Hagar is pregnant, she and Sarai are at odds. And Abram, oddly enough, says to Sarai, Here, says Abram, your servant is in your hands. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she fled from her. Hagar has been used by this childless couple, and then she's been tossed aside by the woman of the house. Sarai thought that she had had a good suggestion and then regretted it immediately upon the child being conceived. Hagar, being mistreated by Sarai, flees from Sarai into the wilderness. And it's here that we see a kindness of God to this little-known servant of the house. While in the wilderness, Hagar encounters God, and God makes some big promises to Hagar about the son that will be born to her. God instructs Hagar to return to the house of Sarai and Abram. And finally, God says to name her son Ishmael, which means God hears. 
because God heard Hagar when she was being afflicted by Sarai. While there's lots more we could say about this particular event, the takeaway for now is this. Abram's son Ishmael was not through Sarai his wife, but rather through Hagar his wife's servant. And now Abram, at 86 years old, views Ishmael as the one through whom God will work. For the next 13 years, he looks upon Ishmael and sees the first fruits of God's promises. For 13 years, Ishmael is the apple of Abraham's eye. Abraham thinks this until he's 99 years old and God speaks to him again. God again confirms his covenant promises to Abraham, and at the end of his dialogue, he says to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, do not call her Sarai, for her name is to be Sarah. And I will bless her, and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will descend from her. Abraham fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Can Sarai give birth at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live under your blessing. But God replied, Your wife Sarah will indeed bear you a son, and you are to name him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you, and I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He will become the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear you at this time next year. This is a big statement by God. Though Ishmael is the firstborn of Abraham, it won't be through him that God fulfills his promises to Abraham. No, it will be through Isaac, born from Abraham's wife, Sarah. Isaac will be the carrier of the Abrahamic covenant promises. God had said to Abraham, I will, I will, and I will, when he made the promises to him. But Abraham didn't wait for God to accomplish what he said he would do. Instead, Abraham had tried to take a shortcut with Hagar. He was unfaithful to his wife. He slept with Hagar, and he had a child. Perhaps Abraham hadn't quite learned this in his heart. God does things his own way, and often in ways completely unexpected by humans. Who would have thought that God would open the womb of a 90-year-old woman to conceive and bear a child to her 100-year-old husband? But God's ways are different than the ways of men. Nine months later, the miracle happens. Isaac is born. The promised son through the old man and the barren woman has arrived. The son they had hoped for for decades since they were married has finally arrived through the power of God. From the moment of his birth, the couple's love for their son grew and grew. They looked down at their baby and then their toddler, and so on, as he got older year by year, knowing that all of God's promises rested on him. But it's years after Isaac's amazing birth that we come to one of the most sobering moments in all of the Bible. We see God test Abraham, a test involving this promised son. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered, take your son, God said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Wait a second. 
God wants Abraham to kill Isaac as a burnt offering? Right after we read about this miraculous provision of God to Abraham and Sarah, God is going to take it all away? What is God thinking? Why would he command this? What is going on? Abraham, for his part, may have had this reaction internally. But in an amazing display of faith, he begins to go to the place where God commanded him to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham has done things his own way before, and it appears that he's submitting to God's way of doing things. So Abraham takes Isaac to the land of Moriah, somewhere near modern-day Jerusalem. And when they get there, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. He himself carried the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father! Here I am, my son, he replied. The fire and the wood are here, said Isaac, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two walked on together. When they arrived at the place God had designated, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar atop the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Just then, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, said the angel. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Then Abraham looked up and saw behind him a ram in a thicket, caught by its horns. So he went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham passed the test. Instead of trying to run from God to protect his son, he submitted and humbly obeyed in faith. He wasn't blind to the fact that God provided Isaac specifically to fulfill the promises to Abraham. In fact, Abraham knew that God's character itself was on the line. God had to somehow have Isaac live, because he had already promised that specifically Isaac would be the one through whom the promises would be fulfilled. It couldn't be anyone else. In fact, later in the Bible, we have a commentary on this event that sheds a little light on what Abraham was thinking. In the book of Hebrews, it says that Abraham considered God to be able to even raise someone from the dead. Abraham thought if it really came to it and God did want him to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham knew that God was powerful enough to raise him from the dead. It's in all this that we discover Abraham's depth of faith in God. Not a blind faith, but a faith firmly grounded in the faithfulness and power of God. God would be faithful to his promise through Isaac, even if it meant raising Isaac from the dead. And this faith drove Abraham to total and complete obedience. It's events like these in the life of Abraham that make him a picture of faith in the Bible, even despite his failings. Now, as we think about Abraham and Isaac, there in the land of Moriah, we can't help but jump forward 1,500 years in the Bible story. Because what we see with Abraham and Isaac is a picture of what's to come. It's later in the story that we see another son who climbed one of these mountains in the land of Moriah, just like Isaac did. This son carried the wood on his back, and he came to the top of the mountain, but instead of being burnt on the wood, he was nailed to it. 
This wasn't Abraham's son. It was God's son. This was the land that God would provide, of whom it was said early in his life, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The father Abraham didn't have to go through with it, but God the Father did. Join us next time as we see Isaac all grown up with two sons of his own, one of whom has his name changed by God just like Abraham. This son gets his name changed to something that's heard through the rest of the Bible. He will be called Israel. Don't forget to download the Prism Bible app, our mobile app to help you learn the Bible. In addition to this podcast content, we have Bible readings, summaries, and quiz questions on the app to help you get the most out of every lesson. Prism Bible is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping you learn the Bible.